The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Money in Your Life, the radio program that gives you the insight and motivation to be more successful with all aspects of your personal finances. Your hosts are Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. Today's program will feature experts and intriguing ideas that will show you how money is actually operating in your life. Now, here are Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. Welcome to Money in Your Life, a weekly show about the influence of money in your life. I'm Brian Farr. And I'm Ann Hutchins. Brian, as I was getting ready for today's show, I thought a lot about the American dream. What does that phrase mean to you? That's a good question, Ann. Uh, let's see. The first thing that comes to mind is economic. Uh, it's about creating a life for yourself and your family that's economically more secure and abundant than what you grew up with or maybe what your parents grew up with. I think to me, the American dream is about building a good life, and that can mean a lot of different things to different people. What's it mean to you, Ann? Well, you know, the thing that kept popping into my mind was that the American dream has somehow become synonymous with owning a home. Our guest today is Sarah Bard, the Director of Outreach and Communication at the Center for the New American Dream, and I'm really looking forward to some clarification about what the American dream has been and what the center sees as a new dream. So let's bring Sarah into the conversation. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, really happy to be here today. Great. Can you tell us a little bit about the the new dream and the work of the center and how it's different from the old dream? Sure. Well, the Center for a New American Dream really focuses in on empowering Americans to improve their quality of life by really taking action and responsibility to consume responsibly and protect the environment and build out their communities. And there aren't very many organizations out there right now focusing kind of on consumerism and its environmental impacts. And it has become a little bit of a taboo topic, and there aren't many groups that are focusing on addressing that right now. But we really have strived to go beyond how, you know, consumption and consumerism has impacted the environment by focusing in on really a holistic sort of new American dream, one that's less about that sort of material accumulation and more about community and ecological sustainability and the celebration of the non-material sort of values that really strengthen us as a community and as people. With the, the old American dream, I think we all can agree, is, is definitely rooted in, um, in consumption to a large degree, you know. Advertisers well, just been okay. Yeah, no, I was going to say, you know, it's interesting because one of the things that I came across was this quote from uh, James Adams, James Treslow Adams, uh, that the dream, uh, describing the, the American dream is a dream of a land in which life should be better and richer and fuller for everyone, with opportunity for each according to ability or achievement. So your new dream is getting back to that. Is that right? Absolutely. Somewhere along the way, those sort of values and principles 
were um, were a little bit distorted. And I think we live in a society now and have for you know uh, several decades that focuses more on um, consumption, consumption and stuff than on you know really those values and and trying to have a really well-rounded, holistic sort of valuable life. You know, advertisers really have invaded our lives and marketeers about 19 billion spit on advertising each year with folks trying to tell us what we need to buy and what it's necessary for us to buy in order to be happy. You know, we see about 3,000 of those messages a day, and and that's just not really what is actually linked to happiness and growth and things like that. Well, you know, it's interesting because Brian and I talk a lot about this, both in our work as financial coaches and with each other about working, because the main work that we end up doing is trying to get clients back to working, having their money work for them, which generally means first describing and landing on what your values are. Exactly. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that that's a very easy thing to do when you start to think about the things that truly make you happy. Um, Mm -hmm. And for the majority of people, that's experiences. And, you know, if you're going to spend money, um, a lot of times people get the most reward and feel the best about spending that on experiences or things or, you know, helping others, giving to others or things that are made locally or support the community or, you know, were made sustainably and don't impact the environment. One so can you can you talk a little bit about some of the programs that uh, that you offer to people, especially in this uh, this holiday season? Do you have tools that people can use that will start them maybe shifting if they want to shift? Absolutely, I would say one of our our first tools that you could use year round is our Wallet Buddy. And it's a printable, you can go on our website, newdream.org, and it's a printable um, credit card sleeve and wallet sleeve. So you can stick your credit cards or your wallet in this wallet buddy sleeve. And on the sleeve, it asks some questions. So every time you go to make a purchase, you have to think about, is what I'm buying ecologically sustainable? Is this something I really need right now? Is this, you know, kind of ask you some sort of prompting questions to make sure that with each purchase you make and each time you pull out your wallet to really make that purchase, you're, you're questioning kind of, is this the thing that I should be doing right now for the environment and for my community and for myself? So mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that would be great for your clients and the people that you all coach as financial coaches and everyone in general. It's super okay. useful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's it. I'm going to jump in here. That's a, um, those moments when a decision is being made, when money is changing hands, uh, that's an important – it's at those particular moments that if we can just take a pause, then there's the chance to get connected, reconnected with our values, reconnected what's really important to us. So this wallet buddy sleeve, that, that's, that's a tool that does exactly that. It really does, you know, and it's just a split second, you know, it's just such a simple sort of tool that really gives you that momentary pause to, to take stock of your values right before you make a purchase to make more, you know, to make more informed sort of purchases based on your own values. Yeah. Well, it's an There's, interesting tool. What, what did you say, Sarah, that, that we're hit with 3,000 advertising messages a day? A day, yeah, which is yeah. which is wild. So you know, I think this is it's such like a small sort of gesture and tool to try and counterbalance you know the three thousand messages that are like constantly assaulting us, and you know the steady onslaught of marketeers trying to tell us that we absolutely need this shiny new object in order to be happy. 
So. You know, there's there's another piece in here too. If I'm remembering correctly, it's it's out of the University of uh, Oh gosh, it's either University of Minnesota or University of Wisconsin. Um, research on the buying cycle. And the highest, the moment of highest excitement is the moment right before the sale is completed. At that yeah. point, it's all the potential is building up. What I'll look like wearing this, or what it'll feel like if if I you know own this particular thing. And as soon as the um, as soon as the purchase is complete, now it's definite, and and the excitement starts to tail off. So I think that if you can interrupt or, or at least in, insert something into that pattern as the excitement is building up, that's that's a key time. Absolutely. That's, then yeah. there's really probably no better time of year that that happens is during the holiday season, and yeah. you know when when buying not only is sort of has that kind of you know what is this going to look like on me, what is this like going to look like in my home sort of high, but also everyone else is doing it and this is stressful and a frenzy and. And, you know, this is what I need to be doing. So, you know, we do, we've launched a program. It's our an annual program, but we've really kind of overhauled it this year to be the most effective called Simplify the Holidays. And, you know, we it wow. focuses in on ways for people to really <laughs> figure out how to bring more joy to their holidays and replace all the stress and hustle and bustle and focus back in on tradition and family and not so much on the pressure to really spend money. So what are some of the elements of that program? We have about we have three different pieces that are kind of our, our hallmarks of it. The pledge, and with the pledge you can you can check off a little box to do one of about ten things to simplify your holidays, then share that with your friends and family to, to encourage them to do the same. One of those is giving gifts of time, giving handmade gifts, shopping for secondhand items giving back to your community, making a donation in the name of a loved one, preparing sustainable holiday meals, you know, celebrating Buy Nothing Day, which is the alternative to Black Friday, which happened last week, which, you know, so many new dreamers out there really latched onto that super hard and were great about it. And we've heard so many nice stories about their alternatives to Black Friday and what they did on that day. And, and really just adopting sort of a, a less is more attitude when it comes to decorations even and using alternative gift wraps. There's so many ways to really simplify and focus back in on what matters on the holidays through that pledge. So the uh, the no buying day, that was for people who didn't want to participate in Black Friday, in the Black Friday craziness? Yeah, it's, it's called Buy Nothing Day, and you, uh-huh. you pledge to buy absolutely nothing on that day and instead, you know, go with your family to the park or cook a meal that you already have around the house or do something like that, do something that's totally the opposite and really and really kind of celebrates community and other people and the environment rather than, you know, the, the madness and frenzy that is rushing a store at <laughs> 6 o'clock in the morning or even the evening before right now. Yeah, so I've got to ask this question, Sarah. When you first started speaking, you, you said as you were describing the new American dream and consumerism and environmental impact. And if I heard you right, you said it's kind of a taboo subject. Um, and it would seem to me what you're saying right now. I can imagine going against suggesting an alternative to Black Friday. That's quite countercultural. That's something is, outside yeah. of the mainstream. So where's the taboo coming from and how does it, what kind of pushback are you getting? Yeah, I think the tab, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a David and Goliath sort of situation, you know, 
um, kind of trying to tell big box stores and realtors, you know, and everybody who wants to sell you their goods on this biggest shopping day of the year, using that specific example that, you know, we're opting out of this because we care more about family and community and supporting our local businesses and growing that economy and, and supporting the sharing economy is, you know, a little bit, a little bit counterculturally, like you were saying. But I think that for families and for community members, it just takes one person in your personal circle to really embrace that and show that it actually is way more rewarding and something that makes you feel good and, you know, really takes out a lot of the stress of the holiday season before it actually catches on. You know, I think some people become concerned or worried, you know, oh, my family's going to be really upset or, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to like, you know, what we're doing. But, but the large majority of the time, it just becomes kind of a ripple effect. So, you know, I think, I think it's fighting a, fighting an uphill battle a little bit against folks who have the resources and capacity to message us 3,000 times a day and, you know, spend $19 billion on advertising every year. But I think it's working. <laughs> okay, I can see where that's David and Goliath when you start throwing those numbers around. <laughs> well, but it is interesting, and in this, you know, as I said, with, with what we talk about with financial coaching, you know, we haven't always been a consumer society, right? So... What we talk about with financial coaching is just providing that instant to think about what, whether you're serving your money or whether your money is serving you, right? Mm-hmm. So that's being clear on your values. And then if you want to buy whatever it is, then you go buy it with a full intention of it's serving one of your values. You know, if you want to give somebody this present whatever it is, then you do that. If you'd prefer to give them an experience, uh, you can do that. But what we're all talking about is giving people, providing that opportunity to stop and think about it, right? The tools to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And also provide options for folks. I think, you know, I think so many people don't understand that they have an option there, you know, that, that they can take some time and not have to rush into any sort of purchasing decision and really, make their money work for them and really have every purchase and everything they do really align with their values. Yeah. Yeah. You know, years ago I have, I have four sisters and we're all adults now. And years ago, after a couple of years of, and we're all over the country years ago, after a couple of years of receiving, I don't know, something that wasn't really useful, we got together and said, can we do something different about this? And so now what we do is we, we give to uh, we give a donation to the charity of everyone's choice. You know, huh. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's have you found that that's a better option and, and more rewarding for you all? Well, it means that I don't get something and look at it and go, she has no idea how I live. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> or think I, I I love I love her, but I have to take this back because it, I just can't use it. Right. Yeah, this this has, uh, yeah, exactly. So that's fantastic. I really love that. You know, another part of our, um, that might be useful for siblings and people who, you know, are kind of spread out across the country is, or just families in general, another part of our Simplify the Holidays program is our coupon booklet. And with this booklet, you can print out the template off of our website. 
destinydream.org, and, and it's beautiful, and they're really well designed. And you basically are able to give people like a coupon that says, you know, for one home-cooked meal, for homework lessons if you have children, things like that. And so there are these gifts of time and service and experience or Skillshare. If you're a really great cook and you have a friend who you know is, you know, a little bit off in the kitchen, you could give them a gift of that so they can learn a new skill. So, you know, that's another big part that we really want to provide people with kind of actionable steps towards making these things that we talk about a reality. Okay. Let me make sure I understand this. So at newdream.org, there is something called a coupon book, and I could go there and I could print it off, and then wrap it up, put it in a, putting it, put it in something attractive, and give that as the gift. And then Absolutely. the person who received the gift would come back to me in say January or March or next June with the coupon and say, Brian, how about that meal? Absolutely. And then okay. you know you all could have that sort of shared experience. And it's fun for everyone. So, you know, if you want to take care of all your holiday gifting on the New Dream website through that booklet, feel free. I, I bet I, your friends and family will really love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh, that's interesting, especially in light of the, you know, we had a guest on not too long ago who was talking about experience or talking about happiness. And that just as you said, Sarah, the the findings being that the sharing of an experience or giving of an experience creates a greater happiness, studies have shown, creates a greater sense of happiness than uh, a, an actual thing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the sure. happiness Absolutely. dividend. The happiness yeah, and dividend. it really comes back to, to community and something that we yeah. really care about is building community, whether that's your family, your neighborhood, your community at large. And we have a lot of programs that are really working to, you know, encourage folks to really reach out and know their neighbors. You know, so many people don't even know their neighbors. So if you wanted to kind of make that a resolution for 2014 and have sort of these, you know, not taking them a cake or taking them some sort of present this year if you have some sort of neighborhood swap or Christmas party, but instead saying, I'd like to get to know you better. Here's here's something I'm good at. I can give you gardening help or you, you know, some sort of trade-off like that to really build out that community. That's definitely another way to use it. Oh, that's great. Well, we need to pause for a break. We'll pick it up on the other side. But if you would like to join our conversation, please call us at 866-472-5790 or email us at moneyandyourliferadio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I am Ann Hutchins with my co-host Brian Farr, and you have money in your life. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The goal of financial coaching is to open up the conversation around money with your spouse, your children, or your extended family. Ann Hutchins works with individuals, families, and financial professionals to improve relationships with money. Her work with clients is confidential, honest, and fun. Visit Ann's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.abhutchins.com. That's abhutchins.com. Do you have financial goals for yourself? Do you want to be smart with money in all areas of your life? If you're ready to become more effective with your personal finances, then you might be ready to hire a financial coach. 
Since 2002, Brian Farr has helped hundreds of people improve their relationship with money. He's unbiased, honest, and approachable. If you'd like to learn more about financial coaching, visit Brian's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.brianhfarr.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Money in Your Life with Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. I'm Ann Hutchins with my co-host Brian Farr and our guest Sarah Bard from the Center for the New American Dream. And just to repeat, the center's website is newdream.org. Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to the center, how you got involved with the, with the work of the center? Sure, absolutely. I think, um, I think that, you know, the center kind of, we kind of had a wonderful symbiotic sort of relationship because I worked in politics for a long time. And I think uh-huh. a lot of people kind of go into politics and they think, this is how I want to make a difference in people's lives. You know, I really want to be kind of hands-on and work in this way and, and work in government and help in that direction. And, you know, after several years and working for a lot of different, in a lot of different capacities there, I just realized that really um, working from the ground up and really working at that grassroots level and on the issues that New Dream really works with every single day was something that I was super interested in and that was fantastic and really the best way to enact change and help people. And and so that's kind of how I came to the center. Oh, that's great. And you are calling, we're talking to you in New Orleans, right? Yes. Yes. Is that where you're based? I am based out of New Orleans, yes. Yeah. And the center is in Charlottesville, Virginia, right? Yes, but we have kind of one thing that's kind of neat about New Dream is we have staff members across the country, which is really nice for um, making sure that, you know, we kind of get the pulse of different sorts of communities. So kind of in the south and then we have people in the northeast and in Colorado and on the west coast. So it's really nice to kind of get those different sort of what's happening in kind of the communities across the country. Oh, that's great. That's great. Now, before the break, we were talking about some of the programs. And as we were breaking, you told us a little bit about your alternative gift registry. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Sure, yeah. The alternative gift registry has been around since about 2007 at New Dream, but last month we totally wiped the slate clean, totally redid it and rebranded it as the So Kind Registry. And, you know, this really has sprung from kind of the notion that celebrations, especially weddings and baby showers, have become way too much about stuff just far too much about, you know, spending tons of money on wedding presents and, you know, your dress and things like that. And, you know, with baby showers, it's, you know, buying new presents and buying things for the mom. And they just have become far too commercial. So this registry really lets folks hone in on focusing on more fun and less stuff. So people are able to register for gifts of time or gifts of experience or, you know, really register for secondhand goods or to, you know, for a wedding to have their grandmother's dress tailored. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah, instead of buying a brand new wedding dress. So it really lowers the environmental impact, really encourages sharing, which is something we're really working on right now is really helping to build out that sort of sharing economy and yeah. then allows people to have a celebration that's far more in line with their values than a traditional one, maybe. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. I'm, I'm intrigued by this. So if if a person goes into a registry at a typical store, it's kind of a check-the-box type of, I would like this, 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 and this. But what this so-kind registry, uh, a person's going to fill in more personal. Uh, I've, my, I've got my wedding dress for my grandmother. I need some help uh, fitting it for myself. Like that would be an item in the registry if I'm understanding you correctly. Yes. And you can actually, okay. you know, absolutely register for, you know, handyman help if you have, you know, if you need, to, if you've bought a house and you all need to renovate it. You can register for things that are very specific and therefore are more meaningful to you instead of just kind of being like, I need four place settings of this or, you know, five new mm-hmm. wine glasses, mm-hmm. which is which is fantastic for folks who really want to make sure that their celebrations are true reflections of their values. And then the mechanics would be that say that uh, after a person fills out the registry, then is there a, an easy way for them to send the link to the registry out across, you know, to their email lists? Yep. There's a function that allows you to email it to all your friends and family, and then they're able to go on and just simply check a box and say, I'm going to take care of this for you. Um, and go there. If there are any sort of, you know, secondhand items or things like that, or, you know, if you want, if you want someone to make a DIY project for you and it's on a specific website, you can actually include a link to an external website that would help with the process. If something might be um, a little, um, a little not intuitive, if, you know, sort of like some sort of DIY project or if it's a secondhand good, something like that. But, okay. uh, but yeah, it's simple to simple process. Sarah, we have an email from a listener who wants to know if there's somewhere on the site that children can go to. Something oh, that we've good worked question. With, yeah, there isn't a section on the website right now specifically for children or a kids section, but we have done quite a bit of work with kids and commercialism. So, um, so we, you know, we did a study about it in 2002. We're hoping to do one again soon. But um, we have quite a bit of information about how ads and advertisements and that kind of thing impact children and um, how that kind of goes back and forth with them every day and how they are, even more than adults, kind of assaulted with these advertisements and by marketeers from the time they're born at this point. So we do have some resources for parents. We're hoping to build those out in 2014, but for how to kind of counterbalance that and say, you know, you're hearing all these ads, but you know, that's one option, but here are our values as a family and here's how to, you know, live a life that is more fun for you and, and kind of tips for parents in that regard. Mm-hmm. This reminds me of, of our guest, um, uh, Tim Kastner, and uh, talking about materialism in children. And he was saying the exact same thing. It's it's the parent taking the lead of introducing the other values, making, you know, being aware of what, as a parent, what my own values are and how I would bring that into the child's life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Tim's great. Yeah. He's on our board. So, yeah, there we go. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's how we, so, that's how we got introduced to you all. That is right. our connection with is, you guys. Yeah. yeah. That's really okay. great. Yeah. So there's another uh, email here from San Francisco. Uh, what is the best way to add the value of giving back to our kids, uh, to our children's foundation of understanding finances. 
Um, so that's he. I, I think what this man's getting at is just the this this whole idea of giving back, being charitable, being uh, extending yourself out to other people. It seems like that's something that you've probably got some insight on. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's a big part. Could be a big part of simplifying the holidays. And I think with children and with families, one of the most important things to do to inter- really introduce children to giving back and really having a sort of charitable, charitable mindset, not only during the holidays but year-round, is to actually do an activity with them. You know, have it not just be about giving a donation for children, but actually going to you know a shelter and volunteering. You know, going and helping to pick up trash and actually having an activity. Because I think that the short answer to that is as soon as a kid really feels that sort of glow and reward that you get, you know, that kind of high you get for giving back and helping others, that they're going to be hooked. And I think that's going to be your best way to kind of instill those values and then reinforce them, you know, every chance you get and, and you know, make sure that, that that's something that's discussed frequently in the home, you know, that um, – that it's not all about us. It's about the bigger picture and it's about the community. And if we're not supporting our community and really giving back that, you know, we're, it's going to mean that it's not um, a really super high quality life for us because quite frankly, we're all very interconnected. Even, you know, even the most remote folks living way out in the country to people might feel super isolated in urban centers, you know, the more that we can build out this sort of sense that we're all part of this greater community and it's important to support and really re- reinforce that, the, the better off we'll all be. And especially learning that from a young age is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Sarah, can you talk about how the center actually interacts in communities? Or You have programs. Do you take them out into communities to introduce them? Yeah, absolutely. We have, um, we have a program called Get Together, which is we, we launched back this summer where um, we encourage new dreamers in their communities and in their backyards to start neighborhood projects, really begin the process of taking the conversations that we're having about, you know, on the new dream website and online to the, you know, to their backyards and to their neighborhoods. And we were very fortunate to be able to partner with IOB, which is a great crowdfunding platform over the course of the summer and fall to really um, to host a neighborhood challenge. So community groups across the country were able to submit their projects for improving and bettering their neighborhoods, and we were able to um, and then crowdfund the money, and we would match the the funds that they raised. So that was a really fun first step. So, do you identify people in the, or do people self-identify in the community as a new dream advocate or a new dream representative? Is that yeah. how it works? Okay. Yes, yeah. it's all about kind of. Um, self-empowerment a little bit in that, you know, we have such a large community all across the country. And, um, you know, these people are just super active online. We have regional coordinators who will help them. But it's all about really saying, you know, no, I'm going to really take control of this and take responsibility for my own community and start leading this sort of, you know, revolution in my own backyard to make our community stronger with the help and resources and tips that we provide from New Dreams. So we always are kind of hand-holding and have everyone's back. But, you know, at the same time, we, um, you know, we want people to feel like they are actually catering to what their neighborhood needs, you know, because it can't be a cookie-cutter sort of thing because the sort of, you know, financial consumers and problems or community problems that are facing, you know, a place in Michigan are very different than Texas a large majority of the time. So, Sarah, at the risk of putting you on the spot too much, 
what kind of numbers are we talking about? What what success has New Dream had in in terms of reaching out into the communities? How many how many people are you touching? We have about a hundred thousand people who who are on our email list and who um, are pretty active in terms of okay. the get together programs specifically. We have about a thousand self-identified community leaders across the country and people who are interested in starting these new dream teams and really going out there and participating in the get together program. So it's an exciting time and we're really yeah. working on focusing on that a little bit more in 2014 as well to grow that program. Right. Right. I, That's I just, wanna... go ahead. I just, I, when you said the number hundred thousand, it's like, you've got, um, it's certainly, you know, we've got hundreds, what, 300 million people in the country, but a hundred thousand is enough when they're in community using the, the wonderful benefits of the internet, that can be a community as if it's a hundred thousand people living in one city, but they're spread out all across the country. So this is a significant movement that you've created. I'd love to think so. <laughs> I think that, I think that, I think that we're starting to see kind of the, the the ripple effects like I've been mentioning building out in communities and more people coming to us especially you know at times when it's really brought to the forefront how important this is and how important it is to you know be cognizant of your purchases and how they need to be aligned with your values especially around the holidays so this is a really big time when people start really thinking about that and then hopefully decide to make those kinds of conscious sorts of purchasing decisions and becoming part of their community and things like that for the entire year (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm. I'm interested in the uh, the alignment or the association with the crowdfunder for community support. That's pretty big for driving yeah. a for driving a uh, the funding for a project in communities. It is. Yeah, crowdfunding is fantastic. Just in general. For, for that kind of purchase, that, that purpose. And, you know, especially for projects that don't necessarily require, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, but some that do, you know, if your project needs a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars to really make a difference, it's not only a way to really, you know, to raise the funds to make it a reality, but also kind of form a community alliance. And there's, there's some sort of sense of solidarity when you have, you know, a ton of people giving a small amount of money to make something a reality and you know that you have this sort of community backing and support. So eventually there can hopefully be an upswell and support for the project when it's actually launched. For our listeners who may not be familiar with crowdfunding, can you repeat the name of the funder and then tell us how it worked with with you, with the center? Sure. We worked with IOB, but there are tons of great crowdfunding platforms even some that, you know, like IOB that focus in on neighborhood and community projects, there's Start Some Good, which focuses in on helping um, social entrepreneurs and people who, you know, kind of maybe have larger scale sort of nonprofit ambitions. Um, and the way it works with us is that we selected and we were kind of the first part of the process and IOB was the second part. We were able to select these sort of community teams who submitted videos and applications about why they wanted to compete in this sort of neighborhood challenge and be new dream teams. There were lots of farms. There were tool libraries. There were, you know, kind of backyard kitchens. There were so many different things, and and, especially kind of a lot of them focused in on the sharing economy, Mm -hmm. um, like the tool library and things like that. But these projects came to us, and then, you know, we selected our top ten winners. They went over to IOB. They said, I need X amount of money, and we match them dollar for dollar up to a $1,000 match. Boy, that's exciting. 
Interesting. And um, and the website, it's iob.org? I-O-B-Y dot I-O-B-Y dot org. Okay, that's great. And if you want to find more about crowdfunding, I know that if you just Google crowdfunding, you will find a number, of, as Sarah mentioned, you'll find a number of different resources there that are crowdfunding. I, I have a story uh, out of our family. Uh, one of my nieces is a teacher in a school, in an elementary school in Oakland. And uh, through a, a website called DonorsChoose.org, uh, which I think is really focused on teaching, she posted that she wanted to get two pieces of audiovisual equipment. And if I remember right, there were 17 of us who donated, and she was able to buy this equipment right at the beginning of the school year. And about three weeks ago, I received, my wife and I received an envelope full of thank you notes from all her students. And it was just, it was the most, I'm so happy that all of that is happening. And on as a, as a person who's given the money, I have to say it was one of the most effective, one of the most enjoyable experiences I've ever had giving away $100. Um, those notes from the kids really warmed my heart. <laughs> that's fantastic. I love that story. And that's something that Donors Choose was really a pioneer. And they were one of the first crowdfunding websites because it's such, you know, most of the projects aren't huge amounts of money, but you see the rewards directly, right? You can see what's mm. happening in the classroom and that your money is going towards these pieces of equipment and how they work in the classroom with the children, which is just wonderful to really see your dollars in action. Because I think mm-hmm. that's something that, you know, kind of prevents folks sometimes from giving in terms of donation, charitable donations. Is they're like, well, you know, I don't get to see my money in action. But with something like donors choosing crowdfunding, you really get to see exactly where your dollars are going and then kind of the end product that comes from that, which is fantastic. Yep, that's exactly it. There's been a, a series, you know, two or three different times they've sent pictures of what's going on in the classroom. Uh, and so it's it's a real level of engagement. So stepping back from donors choose, choose and my, my experience with this one. So now you're talking about um, – what you've created is a community that's come together and said, we want to buy tools. We'll keep them in this basement. They'll be available to everybody in the neighborhood. And we need $700 or we need $1,200 in order to launch it. Would that be the kind of project you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I think those would be great projects. I mean, the the smaller the number, the more accessible that becomes, you know, the project Uh kind of becomes for folks to achieve. So I think that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, okay. This is exciting stuff. I think the Internet is – one of the pieces that's coming into focus for me is how much more the Internet provides a community than I realized two years ago. It it used to be something digital out there. Now I'm really realizing people can connect up and create community – visually audit you know we talk with each other and and then we get the the synergy that happens when people are connected up right exactly you know and i think it also takes away a little bit of the isolation from folks you know i think there were, have always been folks out there even the height of kind of like ad mania where um where you know people are kind of like we're like oh you know you have to buy 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 there were always folks out there like wait i want to live my life a little bit differently than this mm-hmm. so um so through New Dream and through the Internet and ways to connect like that, you're able to really find kindred spirits and yeah. find kind of a support network and find resources and tools that we provide on our website and that other groups provide to really go back to your community and feel empowered to enact that sort of change. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dismantling the isolation is always, always one of those powerful things that can happen in any kind of uh, movement, either for individuals or for communities. Getting people connected up with each other is what allows these kinds of projects to move forward. Right, uh, exactly. So, and and your your group has really figured out how to do that. Okay, we're going to pause for a break. We will be back in just a few minutes. Um, If you would like to join our conversation, please call 866-472-5790. Or you can email us at moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Brian Farr with my co-host, Ann Hutchins. You have Money in Your Life. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you have financial goals for yourself? Do you want to be smart with money in all areas of your life? If you're ready to become more effective with your personal finances, then you might be ready to hire a financial coach. Since 2002, Brian Farr has helped hundreds of people improve their relationship with money. He's unbiased, honest, and approachable. If you'd like to learn more about financial coaching, visit Brian's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.brianhfarr.com. The goal of financial coaching is to open up the conversation around money with your spouse, your children, or your extended family. Ann Hutchins works with individuals, families, and financial professionals to improve relationships with money. Her work with clients is confidential, honest, and fun. Visit Ann's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.abhutchins.com. That's abhutchins.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Money in Your Life with Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. I'm Ann Hutchins with my co-host, Brian Farr, and our guest today is Sarah Bard from the Center for the New American Dream, Sarah Baird. And today, we're talking about a whole host of things, mostly about revisiting the, the American Dream as it had been defined And Sarah, before we broke, we were talking a little bit about advertising. And one of the things that uh, occurred to me, besides the fact that we're all barraged by ads, is with different media, you know, it used to be you sat in front of a television and were served up ads. Well, now you can fast forward through those ads so you can avoid them. Uh, But on the Internet, you're served up ads that have been targeted towards you. And we, as I said, Brian and I talk with our clients about creating that space and you gave us before consuming and you gave us one, the wallet buddy. But I'm interested in studies that you may have done at the center 
around advertising and effects of advertising and how people can create that space for choices around their values? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, advertising always ties really pretty heavily back into working life. And so, you know, not only are we kind of assaulted with all these ads, but we're assaulted with the notion that we need to spend, you know, that we need to spend at least, you know, 90% of our day working constantly. Um, so something that we kind of can, you know, kind of to piggyback on that that have come out with in the past month are, um, are some really fantastic infographics about the benefits of a shorter work week and how, you know, and how not only will, you know, our carbon footprint be reduced through a shorter work week and how, you know, our health will improve. You know, people who work more than 60 hours a week are, you know, like five times more likely to have a heart attack. You know, 40% of Americans say they feel like they're overworked. And I think that's super reinforced by the constant assault of advertisements telling us that, you know, that's the way we have to live in order to buy things and in order to, you know, really make sure that we're being, you know, quote unquote, successful in our lives. Hmm. Interesting. So you're talking, it sounds like there's a loop in here, a cycle of the the overwork is impacting health, impacting quality of life, but the overwork is a result of chasing dollars to get what it is we believe that we need to purchase in order to be happy. Absolutely, and it, it becomes really a vicious cycle and one that really impacts people in, you know, in their health, you know, and I think folks don't necessarily understand that until you, until you think about it. And, you know, America is very different from, you know, other countries in that regard, you know, one in nine Americans works 50 plus hours a week, but, you know, that's as compared to one in 81 people in Sweden and one in 26 in Canada. So I really think this has become kind of a, it's an American phenomenon to kind of work all the time to chase these dollars, to buy these things that advertisers sell us we need. Yeah. You know, you you mentioned the American and comparisons here. I'm going to read two different emails that tie together. The first one is is, uh, a little bit of bragging maybe about our show, but also excitement. It says, I am writing from Luanda, Angola. And very happy to be listening to you in your online radio at iTunes. I found it, and it is very interesting. My congratulations for the program and look forward to listening to you more times. Best regards, Desmond Jao. It's J-A-A-O. J-O-A-O. So anyway, I, you know, that's one piece of it, how it kind of ties back into community and connectedness. But it ties also into this other email that comes in from Lou. And Lou says, on a global scale, developing nations see our consumer materialistic culture as a model and emulating what we do. How do we reverse this trend? Now, that's a huge question, but I've got a hunch that you might have some insights on it, Sarah. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think reversing kind of the trend. Uh, if you could read his email again, just super quick, so I'm 100% okay. sure. Okay, on a, on a global scale, developing nations see our consumer materialistic culture as a model, and they are emulating what we do. How do we reverse this trend? Yeah, I think that um, I think that's already kind of starting. You know, I mm-hmm. think that that's starting in many countries, especially in Europe, but in also um, countries who are starting to take 
different components and the human capital sort of component into determining GDP, kind of at a macro level. Um, the United States um, hasn't really started to work on that yet, but many countries are kind of, you know, because when you calculate GDP, growth is just measured as good no matter what's happening, right? So the environment really isn't taken into account. You know, human well-being really isn't taken into account. So, you know, even if, you know, countries are growing, then it doesn't really tell you, you know, how the people in the countries are living day to day or about their quality of life or how it's impacting the environment. So I think that a lot of countries who, you know, are starting to take note of that, and we could really, you know, to do the old flip-flop on that, we could really watch these other countries. Some states okay. have started doing it, like Vermont and Utah, but I think, you know, I think that there are a lot of things happening out there outside the United States that absolutely, you know, we could emulate as a country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that you know I, I you know there will always be you know kind of the buy 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 pressure to you know from folks to sort of you know emulate the United States in that regard. But you know if we can kind of as a country take a take a step back and redefine and it you know and it starts locally right you know kind of think about this global perspective, but take responsibility for your own actions with it and start locally like redefining what it means to be an American consumer. And the more that we can kind of start small and start local and have these examples of success stories about communities that have really reached out and, and kind of said, no, we're not all about buy, buy, buy. We're about, you know, building community and sharing things. And, you know, you're raising our children in a place where they are more interested in playing outside and climbing a tree than watching a bunch of ads fed to them on television. Then we can really <laughs> move forward in that regard. Yeah, and as you said, it's leading by example. You know, it's the uh, leading by example in your community as an individual. You know, if you if you don't want to if you don't want to participate, then you have to define how you want to participate, right? But sometimes that's really hard. It's hard to to blow against the wind. So it's really great to have the the resource. It's great to have the internet, but it's also great to have the resource of uh, something like the center to be able to tap in and say, huh, finding like-minded individuals or developing programs or using a model and adjusting it for how, how you want to make it work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's been really great. That's been something really neat about the simplify the holidays program. We actually, actually got an email last week from a nonprofit in Hawaii who's been able to kind of, you know, retool simplify the holidays for their own purposes. And it's actually Jack Johnson, the singer, um, songwriter, oh, sure. his, his wife runs the nonprofit. So it's their family really kind of like walking the walk on that regard in terms of, in terms of being, you know, eco-friendly and simplifying and being responsible about that kind of stuff. So, you know, maybe it also takes, you know, a few people who are kind of in positions of celebrity or status to say, no, I actually live this way. You know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of celebrities give lip service to causes, but, you know, actually living that way and really embracing those sorts of lifestyles and a simpler sort of lifestyle and focusing in our community from these kind of figureheads of our community. And that will, that will also obviously have to include political leaders eventually, I hope. Um, yeah. Will, um, <laughs> will, you know, encourage others to follow suit. Yeah, we talk about perfect storms. You know, it's at some point there will be a perfect, there can be a perfect storm, but there have to be the elements, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So if we, think- yeah, and if we bring it back, it's so interesting, isn't it, to hear the results out of the Black Friday madness that they have been below 
below what was expected by retailers and not just because of cannibalization from the Thursday sales. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think we might be, you know, on the banking on maybe a perfect storm sort of swelling up for this um, simpler conscious consumerism sort of movement. You know, I really feel like we have a lot of banking um, in large part due to the recession. Yes. I I was, I feel the same way. I'm working with clients, working with clients in 2009 and 2010. It was interesting to me that there were a number of times I heard comments that, you know, it's easier for me to talk to my brother about this or uh, my next door neighbors were instead of going out for dinner, we're doing potluck dinners and we can talk about that. So it's like the recession kind of broke the the trance in a certain sense that there's going to be more and more and, and it turned people towards each other. Um, and so it's, it's, I think that that, it, that is an element that we're seeing here, uh, that, that could lead to further changes. Yeah. Yeah. And something that's, that's positive, you know, hopefully, and, you know, in the long term, out of a, out of a pretty negative situation. And, you know, people really didn't, you know, when that happened and, you know, even now people just don't have the resources to go out and do that out of necessity. And I think that, you know, the fact that necessity sort of, made it have to happen. The fact that, you know, I think people moving forward will be like, oh, actually, this is a better way to live all along. Yeah. 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 Well, Sarah, we have come to the end of our hour, I'm sad to say. And so we're going to have to wrap it up. But I want to thank you very much for joining us on this. But And before you go, I want to mention on the Center for the New American Dream website, there are some really terrific YouTube clips we had we had shared one, but the uh, the graphics are I don't know who your graphic artist is, but he's really terrific. So yeah. take a look at those. And thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so we're gonna yeah. and uh, we're gonna talk. So Brian, do you want to tell us a little bit about next week? Uh, yes, next week our guest is Joe Knight. He's the co-author of Financial Intelligence. The conversation with Joe is going to be about demystifying numbers, and this may sound pretty dry, but believe me, when Joe talks about it, he brings it, he brings a clarity to it, and he brings an understanding to it that helps people move forward. I know that when I work with clients, there's this resistance to getting into the details of what the finances are, and I know that sometimes on an even larger scale, people back away from it, but through through Joe's work that you'll see that there's there can be an easier way to get into this thing and the value of it is is definitely worthwhile so that's what's coming up next week great so in the meantime like us on Facebook send us a question or call us next week I'm Ann Hutchins and I'm Brian Farr and please let's keep the conversation going because you have money in your life Thank you for making Money in Your Life part of your financial plan this week. Please join your hosts, Ann Hutchins and Brian Farr, again next Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.